0: good morning morning. i actually can't see you right now just so that we're on the same page kids you are not dismissed this morning we are talking about the fruit of the spirit okay we're continuing our i know some of you are looking at me like i am odd we have our kids in with us this morning and I am trying, I need a volunteer though, I need a volunteer who's not afraid of technology. There we go, up there, come on down, come on down, who is that, Noah De Cristofaro. Get down here, brother, come on. Noah, you're, you're back from the military right now, aren't you? Thank you for your service, brother. All right, Augusto, are we working? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I might have to use the other controller. Oh, here we go. Come to daddy. Wait a second. Can you see it on the screen? Oh, get it. Here we go. That one goes in that hand. That one goes in that hand. Put that on like that. I got to thinking about the fruit of the spirit, and it reminded me of Fruit Ninja. How many people have played Fruit Ninja? on your phone, on your iPad, or whatever else it is. Oh, man. Now you're playing it on VR. You see it? There you go. Swipe at the arcade one, the one that says arcade. There you go, get ready. That's it, don't hit the the bombs. While he's playing Fruit Ninja, I need some kids to volunteer. Oh, there we go, I need some kids. Get real fruit. I got one over here. There's one right there. Over there, need some. Keep going, baby! Don't hit the bombs! Oh, you're doing good, actually. Oh, no, no, no. You gotta stay in your seat right up front trust me there you go if you hit the oh hit that one it slows things down oh look at your sword come on don't break my high score I'll look like an idiot if you do that. nowhere near my thousand and twenty-one. I feel good about myself. Hey, let me just say on behalf of an entire congregation, thank you for your service. Yeah. (laughs) Did you guys just decide to run defense this morning? Yeah, is that what's going to happen? All right. Hey, uh, if you've got sermon notes, grab them. We are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We're continuing our series called Bear Fruit. And uh, kids, I'm going to have you do something in a little while. It's fifth Sunday, by the way. For those of you, if this is your first time here, it's not always like this, okay? It's a fifth Sunday. Well, it is kind of like this whenever I'm doing this, but uh, it's a fifth Sunday, which means the kids are staying in with us. Every uh, Once a quarter, we do this where the kids stay in. We get a whole family experience. The Spanish church is in with us, and we just really value families and kids. And where are our children's workers. We also want to give them one week off. Children's workers, if you're here, would you stand up wherever you are? If you volunteer in children's ministry anywhere, give them some love. Thank you so much for all that you do. So because the kids are in, we're going to have a fun sermon today. All right. I'm not saying it's not fun other days. I'm just saying that. So I decided to key in on this idea of fruit ninja. You just saw Noah do fruit ninja virtually. I'm going to do it in real time and in real life. So kids, when your fruit gets called, your job is to throw that fruit at me so that I can ninja size it, Okay. I don't know where it'll come from. It could come from anywhere in here, but I will be ready to ninja when the fruit is coming at me. All right, but before we begin, let's talk about fruit ninjas. First of all, ninjas battle evil. Ninjas battle evil. Let's look at the scripture we're looking at, Galatians chapter 5 this morning. It says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do... Say it like you mean it. And then say boo. Right. Sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly, what are they doing? Fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Raging inside of each of us is a battle. There's a fight going on between our sinful desires and the Spirit that lives within, within us, right? And that battle is never over. I think sometimes people think, well, if you're a good Christian or you've been a Christian long enough, suddenly you don't battle anymore, and that is not true. The battle rages within us at all times. And the longer that you have been following Jesus and living by the Spirit, there is a battle in you at all times. So I think people who say there is not a battle raging in them they are people that have given up the fight, and that is not what we're supposed to do. So I would tell you this. If there's no battle in you, you are not a fruit ninja. If you're not battling it, actively battling it, do you want know to know what a ninja is without a battle? He's a weird guy dressed in black with a hood sitting on the couch watching TV. He's not much of a ninja, okay? So that's the idea. We are battling constantly, and that's what a fruit ninja does. So... And our sinful nature, the sinful nature inside of us leads to trouble. There's just trouble waiting for us in this battle. Galatians chapter five, verse 19 says, when you follow the desires of your, what? Sinful Sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. We see the outcome of those sins. And there's a big, long list, and some of them sound terrible, but some of them sound kind of, Not that big a deal, quarreling, selfish ambition, but they all lead to consequences, both in this life and in eternity, right? So, but the sinful nature does not have to win. It doesn't have to win. The spirit is greater than our sinful nature. And we see that the spirit then leads to what does it lead to? Fruit. And this is the key verse. Kids, if you uh, have not heard this verse, I know you guys have been studying Fruit of the Spirit too a little bit. This is the verse that we all should be latching on to. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of what? Fruit Fruit in our lives. What are they? Love. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And? And against these things there is no law. There's no law against these things. So these are the spiritual fruit. Now, Not to be confused with spiritual gifts, spiritual fruit everybody has. Once you become a believer in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within you, you have spiritual fruit inside you. In fact, Glenn said it this way last week, and I love what he said about this. He said, bear fruit is not, it's not like a command. It's more of a prayer of surrender. It's this idea that that we, you can't white knuckle spiritual fruit. You can't be like, be joyful, be joyful, be joyful, be joyful, be more joyful, You can't do it. It has to come out of you naturally. Fruit is an outward evidence of the inward nature of a tree. If a tree started with an apple seed and you give it water and sunshine, it will eventually bear fruit. It will bear apples. That's how you know it's an apple tree, because it bears apples. And so we're going to see that when we are directed by the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit lives within us, his presence in our lives will bear fruit. So I'm going to give you some of these fruit this morning and my fruit ninja skills are going to be put to the test are you ready? the first is the apple of love I didn't even see the other one coming that's crazy apple of love first fruit is always love Uh, pastor timothy stewart gave that to us and he talked about love why love Apples is the primary fruit The average person eats about 65 apples in a year Uh, You can eat it in all seasons It's used in so many recipes Let me ask you a question How many people are regular apple pie? Dutch crunch apple pie That's what I'm talking about Regular apple pie? Dutch crunch apple pie That's what I'm talking about Apple is the primary fruit and so is love. It's basic to all spiritual food. John says it this way. So now I am giving you a what? What is that command? Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The next fruit is the banana of joy. The banana... Wow! I got a good one on that one. Did you notice it? (laughs) Some of you thought I didn't have ninja skills. Why did I choose the banana? Well, bananas actually help fight depression. Did you know that? They raise your serotonin levels. They also are high in B-complex vitamins, which calm the nervous system. And, life hack, if you get a mosquito bite and you open up a banana, which is severely bruised now and you rub the inside of the skin of the banana on your mosquito bite, it actually soothes the mosquito bite. You can try that when you get home. Thank me later. Brings you joy in that moment, right? James chapter 1, verse 2 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? When troubles come my way, I'm supposed to have joy? Most people think of joy as happiness. But happiness is dependent on your circumstances. And if things are going well, then we're happy. But joy is not dependent on our circumstances. The Bible says we can have joy even in the midst of trials and troubles. All right, here we go. The peach of peace. Nobody has a peach? Why doesn't anyone have a peach? They're not in season yet. I chose the piece of peach because they're fuzzy and because sometimes you say, you're a real peach, hun. You ever heard somebody say that? That actually comes from the tradition of giving peaches to people you love the most. But like peaches, peace sometimes is hard to come by. Sometimes we can't find it. So instead, I replaced it with the mango of, ja, ja. I did not see that coming from that angle, (laughs) not at all, wow, why do I want a mango, how many people like mangoes, oh wow, lots of you mangoes are sweet and delicious but they are a little different if you're not used to mangoes it's not really it hasn't caught on in america like you know bananas oranges or pineapples um but i thought of a mango a mango is a tropical fruit so i could just imagine lying in a hammock on a caribbean beach eating a mango at pure peace with the world right but but here's the thing about mangoes mangoes are sort of If you don't know, if you haven't tried them before, they can taste a little funny. They're sort of different, right? Sort of kind of funny. Um, Listen to what it says here in John chapter 14. It says, I am leaving you with a gift. What is it? Peace Peace of mind and heart. And the what? Peace I give give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Peace is the ability to trust God with your current situation. Whatever situation you're facing, it is your ability to trust God with that situation. When you don't trust God with that situation, you hold on to worry and tension. But when you hand it over to God, you end up with peace. So that was a recap of the first few fruits that we did. Glenn did uh, peace and joy. Timothy Stewart did uh, uh, love. Today I am taking on kindness and goodness. And kindness begins with the orange of kindness. The orange... Oh, man. What? Ah. There should be one more orange. It was rotten? Is that it right there? Oh, you didn't give it to them. Where'd the other one go? Give me another shot at orange. Come on, give it to me, Pat. Come on. All right, well... The reason I chose the orange, why thank you, the reason I chose the orange is because of a story I have in my file. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before, but it is the prime example of kindness. It's a story about an orphan named Jake, and Jake lived in an orphanage with nine other boys. And this orphanage was a rough place to grow up, it was a rough place to live. They were always hungry, always cold, they didn't have much in this place, except around Christmas time. And at Christmas time, even though really the circumstances hadn't changed, they felt a little warmer, and they felt like they had more to eat. But more than anything, they looked forward to the Christmas orange. The Christmas orange was something that they would look forward to all year long. It's not like today where we can get oranges flown in from wherever. The orange was, was a, a prized possession in the middle of the winter in, in an orphanage. And as with most things, it wasn't necessarily just the orange It was the anticipation of the orange, that that the orange was coming, that there would be an orange this year. And many times these kids, these orphans, would hold on to this orange and they would just cherish the orange. In fact, many times they wouldn't even eat the orange until New Year's Day. Well, on this particular Christmas day, Jake had done something to anger his master, and the punishment was he took away his orange. The orange he had anticipated and waited for all year long. And Jake spent that Christmas day alone and very lonely. The long day of Christmas was finally almost over and Jake couldn't sleep. He was convinced that the world was unloving and uncaring and unforgiving and quietly he sobbed into his pillow Mostly he cried because he just didn't know what would become of him, he didn't know what the world had for him, but he cried really that night because he didn't have an orange. And it was at that moment while he was lying in his bed and crying that a a gentle hand touched onto his shoulder and into his other hand they pressed into his hand something that he couldn't make out at first. In fact, he almost pulled his hand away and dropped it. But what he realized was is that one of the boys had delivered to him an orange but it was an orange that had been taken from nine different slivers from each of the other orphans. See, it's kindness that does that. It's kindness that you have empathy for somebody else and for someone else who needs it. Talk about being kind to each other. and We talk about being kind to each other, being kind to a neighbor, being kind to the animals, but few people actually practice kindness, feeling someone else's pain and responding to it. Ephesians chapter four says it like this. Instead be kind to each other. Well, how? What else? Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Kindness is caring enough about other people that we treat them with gentleness, graciousness, and generosity. Which leads me to, not so what, don't say it. The pair, oh man, Samuel, what's happening? Oh, oh. That was set up. I didn't know you were there. I knew Samuel had a rocket arm on him. And you got me on the rear of the, okay. Oh, ninja skills. The pair of goodness. Why did I choose a pair? You want to know why? Because kindness and goodness go together. They're a, ah, get it. Dad joke, okay. They're a pair. They go hand in hand. Listen to Ephesians chapter two. It says it this way. Gentlemen, the instruments are safe now. Thank you so much. Give, give my uh, ninja masters a hand back there. Listen, <laughs> is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for we are God's what? We're his masterpiece. For he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good, the good things he planned for us long ago. Goodness is making a habit and taking action on Kindness. God has an entire list of good things that He has specifically for you to do. He has good things planned in advance for you to do. He's got it on a list in heaven waiting for you to do it, right? A list of opportunities that literally only you can do to show kindness in Jesus' name. Will we make a habit of doing good deeds when they are right in front of us? Which leads me to, now you can say it. So what, Steve? What do I do with this? Well, I just want to wrap up goodness and kindness, and we're going to do it this way. Goodness and kindness are both rooted in compassion. Goodness and kindness are both rooted in compassion. They're rooted in the same thing, in compassion, where where you feel compassion for somebody else in their circumstance. What does kindness mean? Guys, sometimes kindness, it's simple, honestly. Kindness means be nice to people, that's what it means. Goodness, what does goodness mean? Do good things for people. Even kids can understand this. This is not rocket science. Kindness and goodness is easy for them to understand. But sometimes as adults and Bible teachers, we try to make it more than it is. We try to read something into it where we want to study deep and find something deeper. And we look for a new understanding in the original text and some unique insight so that you'll think I'm profound. None of you think I'm profound. I know that. But it's really that simple. I sometimes think we try to do that too much. It's really just kindness is about being kind to people and and goodness is about being good to people. We're not mean, we're not angry, we're not rude, we're kind, we we do good things for people. Don't do bad things for people. The Holy Spirit is the source of these gifts and he grows kindness and goodness in you. And as we study the fruit of the Spirit, We're gonna take those two words together, kindness and goodness, because their meanings go together. But they aren't exactly the same. So what is the difference between kindness and goodness? Well get this, kindness is an attitude and goodness is an action. Kindness is an attitude and goodness is an action. In your heart, if you have kindness in your heart, It leaks out and you do good things for other people. The attitude of kindness leads to good deeds for other people, rooted in compassion. That's what it does. The problem is, is for us or for most of us, the temptation is to do good things, but only to the people that are kind to us. And being kind to the people that we love that are kind to us is still kindness, but it's not the kind of kindness that changes the world. The kindness that changes the world is kindness to everyone. Listen to what it says in this passage here in Luke chapter 6. If you love only those who love you, why should you what? Why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to only those who do good to you, why should you what? Why should I get credit for that? Even sinners do that that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you what? Why do I get credit for that? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. What are we supposed to do? Love your enemies. enemies. What are we all? Do good good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid, which is a gift. It's generosity. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as what? Children Children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. So this is the simple answer for how we change the world with kindness and goodness, is that you do good things, expecting nothing in return. Do good things, expecting nothing in return. I really believe this. We live in a transactional society. We live in a society that says this, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. If you're good to me, I'll be good to you. If you do something for me, well then I owe you one. If I do something for you, well then I'm gonna expect you to pay it back at some point. But true goodness, true goodness is doing good things and expecting nothing in return, um, where do we do those good things? Well, I would tell you kids, parents, start at home. Start at home. Is there something good you can do for that brother or sister who annoys you? Is there something good you can do for your spouse? Is there, maybe you've been living in conflict in your relationship for a while now. Do something about it. Buy an unexpected gift. Do something around the house that will bless them and see what happens. Maybe it's at your school. Kids, what could you do for that kid that everyone else is mean to? What could you do? What could you do for the teacher who doesn't seem to like you? Teachers, I didn't know I was going there, did you? What could you do for that one kid that drives you nuts? How could you show goodness in those environments? What about at work? For many of you, this is about what could you do for that boss who is always stressed out and on edge? Well, what could you do for the coworker? What good thing could you do for the coworker that just rubs you the wrong way or is buried? And lastly, and this is one thing that we're going to highlight this morning, is what could you do in your community? You know, we spent yesterday, many of you, how many people were out at Love Lodi yesterday? Yeah, many of you were out there. We spent yesterday at Love Lodi tangibly doing good to the people in our community. And it was awesome to be a part of that. But that doesn't have to be just one Saturday a year. I want to share with you a couple of organizations that are uh, with us today that are going to share a little bit about what they are doing in our world to make a difference, especially with families that are in need. Uh, the first is Safe Refuge. Is Madison here somewhere? I didn't see Madison. Hey, come on up, Madison. Madison. Safe Refuge for Children's and Families is a ministry that partners with churches to work with and support families who are in crisis, right? They, uh, these, this is the intervention before the system gets involved. Is that kind of right, Madison?
1: Yes, that's I would correct.
0: love for you to tell these guys how they can get involved in making a difference for a family that is having a crisis of some kind and can't take care of their kid. Is that yeah. the basic? That yeah, that's got? the
2: basic. So, Safe Refuge for Children and Families ultimately are overarching goal is to help protect and prevent children from abuse and neglect so we know that families who are in high crisis situations it's more likely for those things to occur so that's where we partner with churches and we step in and we give these kids a temporary safe home so then the safe refuge staff can deal can help mom or dad or both process this crisis and get through it so the kids can be returned safely home so, we do that in lots of ways, one of which is what we call a host family. So, that's families from the church who actually allow these kids to come stay with them. And they love on them and they show them Christ. They show them Jesus, whether that's through, you know, praying at dinner time, Bible stories in the evening, church services on Sunday, and all of the maybe smaller, more intricate ways that you show. Children who have sometimes grown up in a state of crisis, the love of Christ. We also have what we call circle of friends. So that's people who are also in the church but aren't maybe in a place where they can have a kiddo in their home. So they support in other ways. They support the host family who does have that kiddo. So that can be meals, that can be childcare, that can be transportation, any basic need to help support that family so they can live on that kiddo better. Um, we have seen amazing things with this, stepping into these families' lives, really stepping into people's most vulnerable moments and showing them the peace that comes with Jesus, the hope and the future that comes with Jesus. It's, it's incredible. Um, and these kids go home, and they, they talk about it forever. <laughs> they, they talk about the host families that they stay with, even if it was just for a weekend or a week or two weeks. Um, it is short-term, it's temporary, but it's a lifelong impact on these kids, um, and as a result, on their parents as well. Um, we've had families that have started to come to church because of it, right? We've had families who afterwards will call us and just ask more questions, right? Ask more questions about who Jesus is. Um, it's amazing. i
0: yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a temporary situation. It's a temporary situation. And people stand in the gap for these families. Yeah. Madison, thank you for what you're doing. Hey, Safe Refuge is going to be out there in the lobby. You can talk to Madison uh, uh, on your way out today. I want to tell you about another organization, CASA. CASA is uh, San Joaquin County, uh, this is an actual government organization or the training is government, right? Is that right? Danny is going to come and talk to us about that. CASA, basically court-appointed special advocates are people who step into the life of a kid, specifically a foster kid, and advocates for them, loves them, stands in the gap for them. Is that right? Could you tell them about how we could get involved with CASA?
1: Absolutely. Well, Madison offers a wonderful opportunity for you to be that respite and take care of those kids. But not all of us have a home where we can welcome those kids in. But maybe you do have kindness and goodness within you, and it is that compassionate heart that you have. So what CASA does is we go out into the community, this right here, yeah, Churches of CASA, community, yeah. this is the best place for us to recruit, because you all have... The heart of Jesus, and you know that children are the most vulnerable, especially children who have been abused and neglected. So we come out into the community and we beg of you to meet with a child once a week. For at least an hour, you mentor them. You help them through their their pain. You build resilience. We're not counselors. We're not therapists. We're not dealing with the past. What we're doing is we're building hope for the future. Our advocates advocate for children in education, in their placement, their mental health, their physical health, and then finally their spiritual health or their overall well-being. Our CASAs spend about 8 to 10 hours a week one hour a week i'm sorry 8 to 10 hours a month one hour with a week with the child and then the other time is spent behind the scenes where you're advocating for them making sure that their educational needs are met their health needs are met and making sure that they can stay connected to their family and their friends oftentimes you may know children who live in foster care can have 2 to 3 homes a year imagine how hard that is moving to a new home a new school a new church, building a new community, but a CASA is that one consistent individual that stays connected to that child from the time they're taken into care until they're adopted or go back home. So I, too, will be in the lobby sharing the mission of CASA, and if you have an hour a week, I ask you to please plug into our program and serve a foster child who could really use somebody standing by their side, specifically somebody who's chosen to be there and isn't paid. Because if you think about a foster child, everyone involved in their life is paid to be there, a CASA chooses. So thank you. That's awesome.
0: It seems like it's kind of big brothers and sisters on steroids
1: it's very much advocacy. You have to fight the fight. You have to care about the underdog because it is the advocacy work that's most important.
0: And you're the stable person in this kid's life who has a very unstable existence. Thank you so much, Danny. Appreciate you. The last thing I want to share with you this morning is a way that our church is stepping into it with children and families. Uh, in in just the near future in the month of june we are going to begin something called family promise take a look at the video screen up above you'll see what it's sort of all about
3: this was where we lived before up on the top floor me my little sister my mom and our dog buddy my mom lost her job things got bad one day My mom gave me a dark green bag. I had to put my stuff in it. But not everything could go, because our new home was our car. Sometimes we got lucky and could stay in a park. It was very scary. Then, my mom heard about a place that could help us. It's called Family Promise, and we went there. First, to the day center and then at night to a church. I liked it right away. Nice people from the congregation make dinner for everyone. We eat as a family. Then, some do homework make crafts, play games, and read. We even have our own room. It made things feel more normal. Mornings, we go back to the day center. I go to school from here. While I'm at school, my mom uses their computer to search for a job. They also talk to her a lot about stuff like how to get a job, budget money, and other important things. My sister doesn't cry all the time. Mom, got a job. I think things are gonna be okay. Family Promise keeps homeless families, like mine, together. Plus, they give us help and hope. One in 16 kids will
1: experience homelessness before the first grade. That is one child in every kindergarten classroom. We have now served one million family members across the country.
3: We're moving again into a house! That's me, mom, and my sister out in the yard, and buddy. Thank you, family promise.
0: Homelessness is a very complicated issue with a lot of people that need help and some people who really aren't even willing to accept some help, but can we at least agree that families should be taken care of and housed and kept together. And, and God has opened this door for us to become a host congregation. So four weeks this year, two weeks in June and two weeks in September, we're going to open our children's building and create a living space for these families to come every night. This will be their home. Every night they will stay the night. And we as a church are going to come together to feed them in the evening Transport them back and forth to the day center in Stockton to host them during the evening. And even some people will sleep overnight in the church building as as overnight hosts. And we're asking you all to jump in and get involved in this. Because these families, and just recently I watched one of these families move out of the program and go into an apartment. And this gal was working two jobs and got her first car and they are together as a family living on their own again. It's awesome. And so we are going to jump into this as a church congregation. Listen, that is what kindness is. Kindness with feet. Kindness with arms. Kindness with hands leads to action. And that's goodness that makes a difference in the lives of people, in the lives of foster kids, in the lives of families in crisis. We God literally has a list of good things that he has assigned to you and I and we are to step into that when we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit living within us. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to talk about your fruit. The fruit of the Spirit that is within us, God. Father, I pray that you would use us in the lives of others. God, I pray for these organizations that have boldly taken a stand and a step in those areas. God, I pray that you would bless their ministries. God, I pray those who are listening to my voice right now and know you are nodding and prudging them uh, or prodding and nudging them, God, towards one of those ministries that they would respond. God, let us not be people who hear about problems and don't have compassion. Let us be people who have compassion and it leads to kindness and that kindness leads to good deeds. God, let us be people of kindness and goodness. In your son Jesus' name, amen. amen.